Let's turn in our Bibles, amen, to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Amen. Feel led of the Lord to begin here, though the message that I'm prepared to preach um, won't have as much to do with the scripture, though this is the great command of God as echoed by Jesus in the New Testament, the greatest command, the first command, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. But there are some key words that I want to uh, lift from these verses and, and use as a basis for the message today. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Amen. I do want to say before we read our text uh, that if there's, a, there's people that would be interested in going to family camp Friday night and would like to ride together in our church van or church shuttle bus, we can make that possible. Uh, we just need to know who you are. And if there's a good group that wants to go, uh, we, will, we will make those arrangements. We would need to leave, uh, meet at the church at 4 o'clock at the very latest, 4.30. I know that for some that conflicts with your work schedule. But if you're able uh, to go, uh, the vehicle would go down and back the same night. So if you have to be back Saturday night, you wouldn't have to pay for lodging either. So just let me know. Text me. Uh, that would probably be the preferred way. Because if you come and talk to me, I'll probably forget by the time the day's over. So text me or call me and let me know you, you're interested in doing that. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. The Bible says, why don't we read this scripture out loud together. Here... O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 5, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Verse 7, but they're not going to stay in your heart, in, in a way, so to say. He goes on to say, And you shall teach them diligently. To who? Your first order of business is to make sure you pass it down to the next generation. You're going to teach this to your children. You're going to talk of them when you sit in your house. And you're going to talk of them when you walk by the way or when you're out and about. And you're going to talk about them even when you lie down and when you get up. <laughs> it's going to be a part of your conversation. Amen. He said, hear and speak. And uh, I just want, I, I, I'm going to talk today, teach today, preach today on this subject matter. Listen up and speak up. Listen up and speak up. Amen. Let's pray together. Why don't you lay your Bibles and devices down and why don't you lift your hands together with me and let's ask the Lord to have his way. Father, we come before you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are so thankful and richly privileged to be able to gather together in this place for the purpose of worship, of hearing your word, of fellowship. And I pray, Lord, even right now as the messenger that I will be led of your spirit to speak words of life to the people of God. I pray, Lord, let each and every one of us have an ear to hear what the Spirit is going to say to the church today. Lord, I pray that truth will be spoken in love and will be received
received with meekness, for it is able to save our souls. We give your name all the glory, the honor, and the praise, for you alone are worthy. Someone say in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Shake hands with your neighbor before you're seated and tell them, listen up and speak up. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. There may have been a time or two in my life where uh, we're... Uh, 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 at least a, a version of, of this idea or this phrase has been shared with me. Um, God is not deaf, and neither are his people. <laughs> and it may or may not have been in response to the volume of my prayers or of my praise or of my preaching. <laughs> God is not deaf, and neither are his people. And I understand the sentiment, especially if it is coming from someone that has never been in a prayer meeting or a worship service that is not accustomed to the volume of praise, of prayer and preaching be that, being that of an escalated scale. Um, and while I fully agree, I fully 100% agree that God is not deaf, although some of his people might be deaf, literally, but the reason why the volume is often raised in my prayers, in my praise, in my preaching, it is denoting a passion. It is denoting uh, a, a cry that rises from my heart, whether it's sharing truth, speaking truth, or praying to the God of truth. It is coming from a cry of my heart. It is a passionate cry, an impassioned cry. Now, this should not seem strange to us. In many walks of life, from birth, uh, we find humanity crying out uh, because of something that is a great need, an urgent need, whether it's a baby that needs to be changed or fed, or if it's a person that is cheering for their favorite sports team in the last minutes of a game where the win is on the line. We find all throughout the world people speaking up. But it's still true. God is not deaf. In fact, one portion of scripture that was recently laid on my heart just testified to this fact and has jumped out at my attention. And that's found in Exodus chapter 3 where we discover that Moses has now spent 40 years in Egypt and has now spent 40 years in the wilderness. He leads the sheep that he is tending, which is his father-in-law's sheep, to the backside of the wilderness. And while there, he turns aside because a spectacle has captured his attention, that of a bush that was burning, it was on fire, but it was not consumed like normally would, would be consumed. This captivates him. He turns aside to see this spectacle, and the Lord speaks to him from the bush. 
He first commands him to take off his shoes for the ground whereon he's standing is holy ground. But God continues and he says in verse 7 of Exodus 3, The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And while there is so much there in those two verses that I would love to take the time to unpack and to preach, I simply want to point out for the purpose of this message is that God told Moses that he heard the cry of his people from their bondage in Egypt. No matter how much they were surrounded, no matter how much wickedness may have abounded in Egypt, no matter how, how alone they may have felt, God from heaven could hear their cry. And hearing their cry caused a response to take place on God's part where he went to come down to deliver them out of the Egyptians' hands. But this is not alone. The only time where we see the Bible point out very clearly that God is not deaf. That God, in fact, can and wants to hear the prayers of his people. In fact, let me just point out another example that to me is quite unique and somewhat, I would say, even relevant to the day and age in which we live. In Genesis chapter 21, the Bible tells us about a handmaid of Abram or Abraham and his wife Sarah. Her name was Hagar. Abraham and Sarah knew that God had promised them to have many children. But it seemed like no matter what they did, they were unable to bear children. And they resorted to their own devices and they, they said, well, why don't you take in Hagar, our handmaid, and have children for us through her? And this was a bad idea all the way around. It was a work of the flesh. It resulted in a child, but that child was, was, was despised. That child, it was hated and even had hatred towards his half-brother when Isaac was born. And there was animosity within the family. It was a recipe for a dysfunctional household that resulted in Abraham being forced by his wife Sarah to throw out Hagar and her son Ishmael. But follow with me now. The Bible says that as Abraham and Sarah bid farewell to Hagar and to Ishmael, who was just a young boy, a teenage boy perhaps at the time, that they went out into the wilderness. They exhausted their water supply in a desert place. And Hagar, this loving mother, takes her boy who is weak and frail at this point and lays him under a shrub and goes a distance from him so that she would not hear and watch her son die. And while she is a space away from this son who is an unwanted child, God comes down and intervenes and tells Hagar, I have heard the voice of the lad. I've heard the voice of your son. 
I'm here to tell you God is not deaf. But we serve a hearing God. And God hears even the voice of an unwanted child that may have been rejected by his own father. God can hear that voice just the same. We could go all throughout both testaments of scripture and see how God hears. One of my favorites is how God hears Daniel's prayer. Daniel prays three times a day, even after it was made illegal to pray to anyone but the king. He continues to pray, even at the risk of his own life. And it led and it resulted to the preserving of his life, even in the den of hungry lions. He heard the simple yet confident prayer of Elijah. Listen to how James recalls Elijah's prayer. If you have it, if you could put it up on the screen, James chapter 5 and verse 17. I want to convince you today, as we look at this scripture and other scriptures, I want to convince you, someone today, that God hears, that God hears you. God hears your prayers. This has been heavy on my heart, and this is what I'm assigned to deliver today. The Bible says Elias or Elijah Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, meaning that Elijah really wasn't much different than you and I, flesh and bone, just like us. But Elijah prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And as a result of his prayer, God hears. And it did not rain on the earth by a space of three and a half years. We think we got problems here at our property, Brother Hoyer. And our grass is turning brown. Could you imagine what it would look like if it didn't rain for three and a half years? It didn't rain for three and a half years as a result of one man's prayer. Why? Because God hears. He hears the prayers of his people. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Consider one of the prayers of Elijah. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. And they, if, they, if they could keep up, 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 36. The Bible records where the prophet Elijah is on Mount Carmel. And he's facing off against 450 false prophets of Baal. And he tells all Israel that are the spectators of this occasion. And he says, if God be God, then serve him. But if Baal be God, then serve him. He asked them to make a decision as to who they will serve. He said, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And he gave the prophets of Baal a sporting chance. He let them go first. What a gentleman Elijah was. He allowed them to prepare an altar and make a sacrifice to their false god, the god Baal. And they they cut up the sacrifice. And then they proceeded to bring their enchantments and their prayers. And when nothing would happen, they proceeded to dance and to cut themselves and do anything within their means that they thought might garner the attention of Baal to no avail. But then the Bible says that Elijah, he repaired an altar that existed once. And he rebuilt that altar with 12 stones, each representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He took the sacrifice and the wood and laid it in order upon that repaired altar. And sometimes, really, that's what it comes to. People need to repair the broken altars in their lives. 
They once prayed. They once knew how to talk to God, but it seems like it has fallen by the wayside. Repair the altar today, the altar of consecration, the altar of commitment to God. He repaired the altar. He put the sacrifice in order, and the Bible says, you know what? This is too easy. By his actions, he implied, this is too easy. This challenge is a breeze. Let's make it a little harder. So he, informed, he asked the people to dig a moat, a trench around the altar. And then he took barrels of water and poured it on top of the sacrifice until the moat or the trench around the altar was filled with water. Mind you, it had not rained for three and a half years. Water was a precious commodity. But when it is poured out, no matter how precious it is, precious it is before the Lord, it's before the Lord. And the Lord received it. The Lord had respect unto it. And then Elijah said this. Listen carefully, because this is the prayer that brought fire down from heaven. What kind of prayer is this? What did he say? What's the secret? What's the secret sauce here, Elijah? How can I pray prayers that bring down the supernatural? This is the prayer he prayed. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire fell from heaven, consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and even licked up the water that was in the trench. I didn't read for you some complicated, extravagant prayer. It was a simple prayer that was spoken with confidence and faith that said, God, you are God. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have done what you have asked me to do, and now show yourself to be the God that you are. And I believe it's that kind of confidence, that faith, and that kind of simple prayer. God is not looking for vain repetitions. God is not looking for someone that with much speaking they think that they will be heard. God is looking for someone that with faith can move mountains and with faith believe that anything is possible with the Lord. Someone, if you believe that, shout amen. He's not looking for lengthy and complicated prayers, yet these kind of prayers are massively affected. In the New Testament, we find God was manifest in flesh, and he heard the cry of a blind man as he was on his way out of the city Jericho, where Bartimaeus by name cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And even when the crowd told him to keep quiet, you're making a ruckus, stop bothering him. He's not wanting to be bothered. He continued to cry and cried even louder. Why? Because God hears. He knew that he could hear. And as long as he could hear me, I'm going to speak up. And as a result, the Bible says that Jesus stopped in his tracks and he commanded the attention of Bartimaeus. He asked him what he wanted and Bartimaeus didn't hold back. He said, I want my sight. And guess what happened next? Bartimaeus was able to see. Though he was born blind, the man was able to see. Why? Because he spoke up. Why? Because God can hear. He heard Peter's cry as he began to seek. After walking on the water, we find the account in Matthew chapter 14. Peter, they're in a storm. The boat feels like it's going to be broken. Their lives are going to be lost. Jesus was not even with them in the boat. 
But they see, they see a figure out on the water. It's hard to, to figure out who or what it is. And they cry out and Jesus says, he identifies himself. And Peter says, well, if it's you, then ask me to come out on the water. You know what Jesus says? Come on, boy. <laughs> Bring it. Come on out. The water is fine. In fact, feels pretty solid right now. Peter steps out of the boat. Here is a disciple doing something that no man has ever done before. He's stepping out on the water. It's supporting his weight. He's walking on water. Nobody's ever done this before. He's a disciple of Jesus Christ. He's walking in the supernatural. But here is this mighty, impetuous disciple of Jesus Christ doing the supernatural. And even this man... He begins to get distracted by the wind and the waves. And the Bible says he began to sink. And Peter cries, Lord, save me. And here comes a hand reaching for the sinking body of Peter and pulls him up. I feel prompted by the Spirit of God to tell some brother or sister in Christ of mine, you're living for God. You're walking by faith. You, you, you're walking even in the miraculous. You have seen supernatural things. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ, but even disciples sometimes get distracted and discouraged. But let me tell someone that if you will cry out, save me, he hears your cry. He hears you. He hears you. Oh, don't Listen, do not let yourself drown in discouragement. Cry on the Lord Jesus Christ. The same one that invited you to step on the water is the same one that could hear the cry of the desperate heart that cries out, help me, help me, help me. He's, he's, not, he's not impatient. Now, 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 now beware. Now I'm going to warn you, okay? I just got you all excited that God's going to hear your cry. But, but keep reading the Bible because the Bible says that immediately in Matthew 14, 31, immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, called him, and said unto him. So what's Jesus going to say? Here's this merciful act, Brother Walker. Jesus hears his cry, pulls him up. Now what's Jesus going to say? Oh, poor baby, come here. Come here. You all right? He didn't say that, did he? He said, oh, you of little faith, where did you doubt? Here's what I'm afraid of, Brother Kellerman. Too many modern contemporary Christians that base their lifestyle for the Lord on convenience than conviction, they'll get their feelings hurt and they'll get bent out of shape and they'll walk away from the Lord. But a true disciple of Jesus Christ understands that the hand that saved him is the hand that could correct him also. The same voice that called him out of his occupation and into discipleship is the same voice that could say to me, listen, you got to man up. you got to become stronger in the faith. There's better things for you. Oh, you see the Lord chastens and corrects those he loves. If he doesn't correct you, if he doesn't speak those kind of words to you, that's when you should be concerned. Does he even love me enough to correct me? Instead of saying, oh, you're my... 
Is he Lord or not? Have you just hired him to make you feel good on Sundays? Or are you willing and able to take the correction and the rebuke of the Lord? Listen, it's not for your destruction. It's for your construction. He wants to build you up in the most holy faith. He wants you to be a soldier in his army that's taken territory from hell and from Satan. Someone shout yes. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I want the Lord. In fact, I pray, Lord, whatever it takes, don't let me be lost. Whatever it takes, do what you have to do. Don't let me be lost. Where do you get that kind of prayer from? Well, Jesus said, listen, it would be better for you to cut off your hand or lose an eye and go into eternal life with one eye or one hand or one foot than to enter into damnation with both hands, both feet, and both eyes. Listen, it's more important that I'm saved than I'm physically whole or comfortable. I need to be saved. But God hears you. God is not deaf. He hears the prayers of his church. They respond in persecution by praying. The Bible says they lifted up their voice together, and God visited them. The place was shaken. Listen, I haven't experienced it yet physically. I've not experienced it yet physically. But I believe that before the coming of the Lord, I will. I believe that I'm going to be in a service. I believe I'm going to be in a prayer meeting one day where people are praying and they know that God hears them. And literally the ground under my feet is going to shake because it's in response. God hears the prayers of his people. God heard the prayers of the church when Peter was in prison and King Herod wanted to behead him like he did James. He heard Paul and Silas even at at the midnight hour when they were in the darkest, deepest part of the prison. He heard them at the midnight hour. I wish someone in this place would be absolutely persuaded that God hears you. God can hear you. Furthermore, God is not mute. He's not deaf, neither is he mute. I won't spend as long on this point, but let me just kind of inspire someone today. From the first chapter of the first book to the last chapter of the last book of your Bible, guess what you find? God speaking. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Bible says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God, he said, let there be light. Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter, the last book of your Bible. The Bible records that the spirit and the bride say, come. He testifies and he says, I come quickly. And the church responds, even so, come Lord Jesus. God is a speaking God. God is speaking and I wish someone would listen, would listen. Listen, God is not deaf, neither is God mute. God is speaking. So with this understanding of how our God speaks and our God hears, look at your neighbor and say, speak up. Why, why don't people pray? I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about those outside the church. I'm talking about those in the church. I understand why people that don't believe in God don't pray. I don't understand why people that do believe in God don't pray. I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my head around it. But as I consider it, here's people who believe in God, people even that regularly attend church. They must either have no confidence that God hears their prayers 
or that their prayer is not effective. And as I turn your attention back to James chapter 5, James who just told us about Elijah was a man just like us, flesh and bone, just like us. Verse 14 says, all right, church, listen up. Is there anyone sick among you? Then let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. You know why? Because God hears prayer. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And, Brother Paul, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. You could be healed, but you got to speak up. You could be healed. You could be forgiven of your sins, but you got to speak up. You got to confess your faults to each other. You've got to pray unto the Lord. You've got to pray for each other. And listen, have this boldness when you pray. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much, it makes much available. What kind of prayer makes much available? The effectual, fervent prayer. Meaning the effective, the targeted, the the one that has a laser focus on it. The laser-focused prayer that is fervently prayed. The Greek word actually has a root in the meaning fire. A prayer that has fire. Implying it's a prayer that is impassioned, a prayer that is desperate, a prayer that has volume, a prayer that is not softly spoken. But when someone prays with a laser-like focus and they are passionate about what they are saying, it makes a lot available. This is where in the book of Ephesians it says that God is able to do far above what you could think or even ask according to what? The power that works in us. We activate the power that gives us access to things that are beyond what we can think or even ask. Oh, but it's when we speak up. Someone has to speak up. We have sins that need to be forgiven. Speak up. We have bodies that need to be healed. Speak up. You want to be filled with his spirit? Speak up. You want revival in your city? Speak up. You want God's provision and protection on your family? Then speak up. God hears, but he's waiting on a people that will speak. Look at your neighbor and say, speak up. Oh, look at your neighbor again and say, speak up. Speak up. Speak up. Well, doesn't God know our hearts? Absolutely. But he gave you a voice, and he wants to hear your voice. There's something about the heart of our heavenly father that delights in the voice of his children. Two people, believe me. But how many, how many would be slightly agitated as a parent if you poured out gifts for your children and they just silently thanked you? From birth to this day, you give them gifts, you provide for them, you take care of them, you protect them. You've got all sorts of gifts for them. And every time you bless them and every time you provide for them, they silently praise you. And they say, well, mom, you know what's in my heart. 
Dad, you know, in my heart, I'm really thankful. But I'm not going to tell you because you already know my heart. Listen, God has distinguished you from everything else of creation, from the mountains to the seas to the stars and the sun and the moon and every beast of the field and cattle and creeping thing and fish and fowl. He has given you the ability to form and speak words, and those words have the power of life and death, and it's time that somebody lift that voice that God has given you and say, thank you, Lord, or help me, Lord, but Whatever you do, it's time to speak up. It's time to speak up. It's time to speak up. You believe that God hears you, then speak up. I know God's not a deaf God, but I wish someone that, would, that has a little bit of passion, like the blind man on Jericho's road, would lift up their voice and say, Help me. Have mercy on me. Look upon my condition. Oh, speak up. Speak up. It's either you don't believe that God hears or you are satisfied and content with living within your comfort zone, the comfort zone of your flesh. You don't want to make yourself a spectacle. You're afraid of what people might think, how you might look. If I, if I, if I lift up my voice like I feel like lifting up my voice, what will people say? What will people think? How will I look? Listen, their opinion won't buy you a cup of coffee from McDonald's. It's time that you grow and go beyond being prisoner to people's opinions and even your own thoughts and saying God has been too good and God is too great for me to stay silent. I will lift up my voice and I will cry aloud. I will spare not. I will lift up my voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, God can hear. It's time you speak up, and it's time that you listen up. If God is not mute, then what he is saying, what is he saying to you? What has he told you lately? Jesus said very clearly that his sheep or his people know his voice. He is the good shepherd that even is willing to give his life for the sheep. And his sheep, they know his voice. Perhaps it is one of the most convicting New Testament scriptures in the Bible to me. Because it always causes me to question, do I know his voice? If I am his sheep, if I belong to him, then do I know the voice of the Lord? I want to know the voice of the shepherd. For his voice, it guides me. For his voice, it feeds me. For his voice, it protects me. For his voice, it sustains me. In fact, Jesus said, man shall not live by earthly bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If I will live, it will be by the voice of the Lord. If I will die, it will be because I have a lack of the voice of God being heard in my life. I must know the voice of the Lord. I want to know his voice. I want to know his voice. How many, how many can testify that we live in a crazy, confused world and culture right now where right is wrong and wrong is right and tolerance is king except against anything that proclaims one God, one faith, one baptism, one way to heaven. Oh, God, if there's
there's ever been a time that I need to know your voice, it's now, it's here. As a husband, as a father, as a pastor, I must know the voice of the Lord. We're raising our children in a society that wants to abort them at any level or any stage of life. I've got to know the voice of the Lord. Speak up, but make sure in your speaking that you're hearing. Listen is not the greatest command of all scripture. Hear! Hear. Listen. God, help us to cut through the noise. And to hear, to obey the greatest command in scripture begins with hearing. Hear, O Israel, the voice of the Lord. He's speaking. God is speaking. He's speaking from let there be light to behold I come quickly. And here we are living at the 11th hour. God is speaking. What is he saying? Turn to the word. Read the word of God. For in it, you have life. In it, it testifies of Christ. Read the word. Pick up your Bible. Pick up. Pick up his word. Whatever age you are, as soon as a child knows how to read, let them read the word at every level of life. Let his word be hid in our hearts that we might not sin against him. I've got a sin problem. I keep falling to the same thing. I'm tired, pastor. I feel like a failure. I feel like there's no purpose. There's no reason for me, me to even come to church because I know just as soon as I walk out those doors, I'm going to fail again. I've got sin. I've, I've got a besetting sin. I just can't have victory over it. Hide the word in your heart. For in it, it will give you power to not sin. And then let his word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Let his word be your guide. I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Read his word. Listen for his voice. His spirit will speak and it will be confirming the word of God. If you ever hear something that you think might be spoken by the spirit, but it is not in alignment with the word, dismiss it as soon as you hear it. Because if it doesn't measure up to the word of God, it's not the word of God. There are many spirits that have gone out into the world. And even the most wicked can disguise themselves as angels angels of light and those spirits are not of God but someone that knows the truth the truth will set you free from deception it will set you free from the lies of the enemy read the word every day pray every day listen for the voice of the Lord 21st century apostolic church oh it's time that we rise up in prayer it's time that we rise as students of the word of God and once again be disciples of Jesus Christ we are students of Jesus he is our master it is his words that we hold to it is his word that will lead us and guide us. Oh, we've got to have truth. Oh, we've got to learn to listen. We've got to learn to listen. As I close, Romans chapter 10. One of the primary reasons why it's so important to listen and to speak is found here for the believers that are in Rome, of which I 
in a similar way feel like I'm speaking to today. I'm speaking to saints. I'm speaking to people that are called to be saints that are living in Rome. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, Romans chapter 10 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul, he writes, but what says it? The word is close to you. It's even in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith. Everyone say the word of faith. If there's a word of faith, there must be a word that's not of faith. But you have the word of faith, and it's what we preach if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you'll believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Why? Because with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. These are all in support of everything that the apostles preach recorded in the book of Acts that we are to believe. We are to repent. Repentance is not possible unless we confess with our mouth our sin. We are saved when we confess that Jesus rose from the dead and we confess that by being buried with Jesus Christ in baptism. We're confessing it, that Jesus was buried and we are buried with him. We are confessing with our mouth that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and that same resurrection power is taking effect in our lives when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and we testify of our salvation when we begin to speak in other tongues as his spirit gives us the utterance in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Just as you were saved, so you will stay saved. By the confession of your mouth, your words matter, so speak up. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. What does that even mean? If you put your faith on him, Sister Bella, you won't be disappointed. That's what it means. You won't be ashamed. You, you won't get your hopes up only to be let down and ashamed that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, it may look at like it at times in this world, but there is the last day that will settle all things and the judge of all, living and dead, will have the last word. <laughs> and bless God, we won't be disappointed. We won't be ashamed. Whether you are Jew or Greek, verse 12, the same Lord over all is rich unto all that what? Speak up. That call upon him. Verse 13, for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, this comes from the book of Joel, chapter 2. Actually, the apostle Peter quoted it in Acts chapter 2. And now Paul references the same scripture here. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know how Peter applied these words? When he told 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't believe me? Take Paul's word for it in Acts chapter 22 verse 16 when he recites his testimony and he says that Ananias told him, why are you waiting? Get up, call upon the name of the Lord and wash away your sins. When we call upon the name of the Lord in baptism, our sins are washed away. And he says, this is it. This is the fulfillment of it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Go on with me. Verse 14. Here's the dilemma. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how 
shall they hear without a preacher. What a predicament. People can be saved if they call upon the name of the Lord. But how will they know to call upon him if they've not heard of him? If they've not heard the gospel? If they've not heard these glad tidings? That's why it goes on to say that how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. They bring glad tidings of good things. They've not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah preached the Lord who has believed our report. So then faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, barely the sound has gone out throughout all the world. The words unto the ends of the world. I won't take time to do it now, but I will reference it quickly. What Paul is doing in Romans chapter 10, there at that last scripture, verse 18, he's quoting several scriptures from the Old Testament. And in verse 18, he quotes from Psalm 19, where it says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The earth shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. Night unto night shows knowledge. No speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Essentially in Psalm, in Psalm 19, it's saying no one is without excuse. Paul actually references this in Romans chapter 1. You can't say that you have an excuse not to believe God. The earth declares the glory of God. Now while creation declares the glory of God, it is our commission to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we have in our hands, Refuge Church, as you stand together with me, what we have in our hands is a cure for a world that is sick with an with a fatal disease called sin. And what a grievous error it would be for us to withhold the cure from the world that is falling prey and victim to sin and to the God of this world. Paul, it's all throughout the the book of Romans, but Romans chapter 1, he tells them, listen, this is why I'm not ashamed of the gospel For it is the power of God unto salvation. Listen up. Speak up. You see, we've got to speak up in order for us to be saved. We've got to speak up in order for us to receive the strength we need for this day. And God help us, Brother Joe, to speak up and to share this glorious gospel with people that are lost and dying and going to hell. Jasmine, I I rejoice the day you were filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in the name of Jesus. Haley's not here today, but she was baptized last Sunday in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for for young people at early ages, not having to go through a lifetime of sin and hurt and pain and shame, but at an early age as teenagers could come to the knowledge of truth. 
I'm thankful for young people that are shining the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that there's a group of believers in this place that you have learned that you could be saved by lifting up your voice. And you have learned that you could be strengthened by lifting up your voice. But listen, there is a world that is lost that can be saved just as well if you would lift up your voice. I'm not perfect. Neither am I. Welcome to the club. I fall short of God's expectation for my life. You know what? I think if we go through this room, you'll find a lot of people that fall in that same category. But you know enough. I said you know enough. I've lost track of how many times I've heard people tell me about how when they were in the world, how God reached them even on a bar stool. They were pulled up to a bar counter and next to them was someone that after a few drinks, guess what they were talking about? I remember I used to go to church. I remember what God did in my life. And God is reaching. If someone that is inebriated sitting on a bar stool could talk about the things of God that could cause conviction to fall in the heart of someone in that state, then don't you think for one second that God could use you in spite of your flaws and insecurities and feelings of inadequacy? You know enough to tell people where to find living water. You know enough to tell people where to find hot bread that served from heaven to the salvation of their souls. I'm here to tell some brother or sister in Christ of mine, you can be a disciple maker. You can be someone that really reaches the lost and tells people how they can be saved. Yeah, you can. I wonder if, if I have some laborers in the house today. I wonder if in this room today, that someone would allow God to call you out of your comfort zone. He's been working on your heart. He's been prompting you and trying to get you to have the tough conversation with your family members, your relatives, your children, your backslidden family members, your coworkers, your, your neighbors. You can share truth. I don't know, Pastor. I, I'm. I feel like I'm. I, I, I'm, I'm. I can't do it. You can make a difference. God is doing something incredible here at the Refuge Church. This is this is a unique Sunday. I I, I believe that God wants to do something. He wants to do something in his people, in the life of his people today in this place where you would walk out of this room and you would have a boldness in your spirit that says, I can make a difference. God, I will push on. How did we get here, Brother Andy? How did we get here? How did we get to the place where our world is so confused about gender identity? I'll tell you how. Because the minority learned to speak up and wouldn't stop speaking until someone heard them. And how dare the church of the living God not be willing to do at least the same with the same amount of passion, the same 
amount of resiliency that says we have something that is far more precious than a false love that proposes fake identities, but we have the love of Jesus Christ that casts out all fear. And that fear that's cast out starts in you. It starts in you. The fear of intimidation, the fear of what people will say. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, with every eye closed and every head bowed, God is calling someone right now to a life that boldly proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen for the voice of the Lord, and it's time to speak up. I'm not talking about picketing. I'm not talking about protest. I'm not talking about being uh, some kind of arrogant in our faith. No, but I'm talking about walking meek and humbly, but confidently that God has given you a gospel that works for the first century, Rome that works for the 21st century, American culture that can save from the guttermost to the uttermost. I'm telling you that you are here as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have a mandate of the Lord to rise up and to hear, O Israel, that the Lord our God is one Lord and it's time to speak up. Teach it to your children. Talk about it when you get up. Talk about it when you lie down. Talk about it when you walk in the way. Talk about it when you go shopping. Talk about it when you go to work. Talk about it when you go back to school. Talk about it. Speak up because you have the only saving message of Jesus Christ. I'm not looking for everyone to swarm this altar today. I'm just looking for people that will be obedient to the voice of the Lord that is speaking in this room that said, I am looking to send somebody to a lost world who will go on my behalf, who will boldly go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the death, burial, and resurrection, who will speak up and testify that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead he is alive and he has all power in heaven and in earth people are lost people are living in darkness people are confused but you have the power and the ability to share the light of his glorious gospel that has shined into your life to shine into all the world through your life you have been filled with his spirit now go and be witnesses of the resurrection you have been given the glorious gospel now go and preach and teach and share that gospel. You are able to teach home Bible studies. You are able to lead a Sunday school classroom. You are able to be a witness to your co-workers. Sure, you have some imperfections. Sure, you have fallen short of the ideal that God has set a standard for you to follow. But get up and begin to look beyond yourself. I said look beyond yourself. Look to the world. Look to the hills. Look to the harvest. It is ready. It is ready for someone to go and to work in the 11th hour. The Lord of the harvest is sending forth labors. Will you go? Will you be a part? Will you be a part of this revival that God would like to ensue in this last days? In the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter how young you are. If you're in elementary school, if you're in junior high, if you're in high school, if you're working a career job, if you're working in a factory, if you're retired, if you're a senior citizen, you have a mandate as a part of the being a part of the church. Go into all the world and speak up. Preach.
preach the gospel. Teach all nations. Shine the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. You have heard how you can be saved. Now it's time to tell others. And how shall they be saved if they do not hear? How shall they hear if someone does not go? It is now our responsibility. Go into all the world. Speak up. Share the love of Jesus Christ. I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. They're going to think you're weird. They're going to think you're different. They might think you've lost your mind. I didn't lose my mind. I found it. I found a right mind. I found my soul saved by the hand of the Redeemer. Come on, show the world. They'll tell you that you're backwards and that you're upside down. But the fact of the matter is, is your life is being turned right side up. Let the world show. Let the world see that you are different. You have been saved. You have been found. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice like the blind man sitting by the wayside in Jericho. Lift up your voice like Daniel who refused to stop praying though it was made illegal. Lift up your voice like Peter who was sinking after walking supernaturally on water. Lord, save me. Lift up your voice like the church did on behalf of Peter. Lift up your voice at the midnight hour in the darkest dungeon cell like Paul and Silas and begin to pray and sing praises. Speak up. Listen for the voice of the Lord. Let the Lord move in this place. Someone begin to talk to the Lord. He knows your heart, but he wants to hear your voice. He knows your mind. He knows your thoughts when they're a long ways off, but he wants to hear you. Speak up. That's it. Respond. Respond. Respond to the word of God. I invite you to this altar to respond to the call of God and say yes. Say yes to the Lord by your actions, by your attitude, by your words. Consumed by you.